0: The following message is from King's Church 1066 based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. Thank you so much for your welcome. We do feel really welcome. Thank you, church. Hey, love and greetings from uh, Redeemer Maastricht. Uh, We started officially seven years ago by praying for a couple of years with four people. And then uh, five years ago we started, and we're still a church plant, but we are gathering with about 120 on a Sunday. Um, but it's exciting, and it's wonderful to see how God's working, loads of young people. Um, we're part of, Erne uh, and I are part of, uh, of New Ground, uh, part of your the family. And uh, we heard a lot about Hastings over the years. We've never been here, so we really feel privileged to be here with you. You've got a history. We're just building on our history. So we're still very young that way. Uh, and we're also part of a team uh, serving the churches. Uh, I'm uh, part of a team with Dave Holden in the core team serving the churches in Europe. And Erne uh, and myself are specifically involved with... Uh, uh holland netherlands or whatever you call it uh it's below sea level that kind of thing and um, so we're really uh, excited with what god is doing there um uh, in holland we've seen over the last seven years seven churches planted and uh, we're expecting god to help us because a prophetic word came many years ago that we would plant 10 churches in 10 years so there's uh, still a few to go but uh Trust God for that. Hey, for this morning, I felt God led me to uh, speak on uh, journeying together. Together being on a journey as pilgrims. A journey that has a specific focus and a specific destiny. Actually, it's a picture of the church right throughout the Bible. Uh, Abraham and Sarah living in tents. I'm not saying to you now from now on when I've done, you're going intense. tents. But um, their children did it, their grandchildren did it, and the church has been a church on the move, a people on the move. Uh, Psalm 84 talks about um, uh, the journey of a pilgrim. It talks about people being on a journey together, uh, being pilgrims, going through really rough places, uh, desert times, but to make it into springs of life and fruitfulness, uh, going from strength to strength and to encourage one another to keep at the things of God. And that's what I felt God was saying to us and to me today for this day. And you know, in the desert, you've got three kinds of people in the desert. You've got a recluse, that is someone who comes in the desert and then stays somewhere and never moves. I hope that's not us. You have also people in the desert, and they are like nomads. They go places, they go places, but after a while, they come back to the same place again. That's the nomads, they circle. And I think, you know, you you cannot have times and seasons like that, but it's not God's purpose for our lives to come back to stuff that we're not conquering or having a breakthrough in. God wants us to move further than that. And he's laid on our hearts to become a pilgrim. Pilgrims, they don't build monuments, they go. And they've got a direction and they've got something in line for the future. And so that's what I felt God was uh, saying for us this morning. We are those pilgrims. You kings here are those pilgrims. On a journey together, making sure that no one is left behind. And no one is circling around. If you circle around in your mind, God wants to give you a breakthrough even today. And uh, I'm going to read from Ruth, uh, you know, from the life of a woman. And tonight, I'm going to speak on the life of another woman. So we're in women today. (laughs) Ruth. Ruth 1. Verse 1 to 5. I think it's on the screen as well. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Machlon and Gideon. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died... And she was left with her two sons. And they took took more But wives. The name of the one was Orpha, and the other was Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Machlon and Gillian died. So that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Uh, This book, The Book of Ruth, is a love story, and it's a harvest story at the same time. It begins with a funeral... And it ends in a wedding. I love that. We love weddings, don't we? So what happened to them? With her husband and two sons, she had left Judah at a time of famine and had gone to Moab. And her sons married, both died at an early age, and then Naomi loses her husband. You know, life can look at times as it doesn't make sense any sense what's the purpose of all of this and that's certainly the case here for Naomi she lost everything she had no hope for the future and according to Naomi she describes her life in this way in verse 13 we have no time to read it but it's it's the hand of the Lord she says that is against me That's Naomi's response from the heart. That's how she looks at the life that she's leading. It is as straight as you can get it. God exists. God is sovereign. And he has inflicted me. That's what she's saying. And John Piper says about this. When we conclude it can't be God, that God isn't anywhere in this, where does that leave us? By saying it isn't God. So when we say it's not God, where does it leave us? Are we then saying that God is not in charge over our lives? Has God left you down with your pain and your? situation and circumstance. Is God waiting till things get back on track and you get back on track and then he commits himself again to you? Is that what we're saying? You know, we sang this song early on. I think it was the first song. You give and you take away. I don't know about you, but do you realize what you're singing? And from what piece of scripture you're singing this? Because that's the life of Job. He just basically lost everything. And for us it's a song of worship. For him, it was surrendering the whole of his life, even the most difficult of circumstances. And the cross of Jesus Christ teaches us that our hope depends on God's reign and rule over the whole of life, including our difficult situations. It may be very hard for you to embrace when there's pain and sorrow, and stuff that do you do have no clue or idea what's going on. But far worse would it be to consider that God has left you to it on your own. There was a famine in Bethlehem. The house of bread didn't have any more bread. The promised land of milk and honey experienced famine. And those are the times of real dryness when the promised land doesn't seem to be so attractive anymore. And I've, and we have been in those times where the promised land, where church and where everything else didn't seem that attractive at times. And what we also find is that adversity comes without warning signs. God isn't warning you, or no one is warning you, you're suddenly in this. And Ali Malik... He, his desire was to want to provide for his family, and he could understand that. I want bread and whatever for my family and for my children. And he made a runner. He left. And in this book, we see a beautiful aspect of the life of Ruth. We're reading about a very determined woman. She's young, and she's an overcomer. And what turned her storms into a blessing... Was a kind of resilience that was deep underneath in our life. And I read about the definition of, of resilience. It's the ability or a substance or object to spring back into shape, elasticity. Don't persevere for perseverance' sake. Find that God wants to put in you a bouncing back. He wants you. To, you could be stretched through circumstances, but he wants you to be back in shape and to get strength. Ruth had the ability to bounce back. And God wants us to bounce back in a manner that strengthens you and improves you and really builds your faith, not weakening in it. And my question to you today is, have you found this in your circumstances and in your life? It says in Psalm 84. I've just read that they go from place to place, the dry places, even the difficult ones, and they make it into springs of life, strength to strength. Can I encourage you to never give up praying, believing God that you will go through it and come out on the other side? You know, the Ecclesiastes, I, we, you know, if you are like me, Ecclesiastes 3. I don't, you have great seasons in your life. There's a season to plant, I love that season. I don't like the season when it's pulled out. I, I love the season where it says that there's a time to laugh, I love that season. And then it comes the next, there's a time to cry. I don't like that one. So in my, in my way of looking at Ecclesiastes, it becomes a very short passage. i like like positive stuff, I'll leave the rest out. But don't give up praying, believing that God's got a plan for your life, even if it's rough. It might take some time, and it might take much longer as you expect it to be, but God is still in there. And the faithfulness of of a of a Ruth towards Naomi is absolutely amazing. Her statement in Ruth 1, verse 16 is one of the most magnificent ones that I think are there in the whole of the Bible. She says this, Where you go, I go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. What an astonishing decision she makes leaving her own family behind, her own country, to an unknown land ahead and to an unknown language. It's like church planting in an nation, isn't it? You talk about pilgrims. She was a pilgrim. She is not having a safety net surrounding, surrounding her in the back of her mind. She's not thinking, There might be a way of escaping and coming back. She knew it was definite to never return home. Where you die, I will die. Till death do us part. Your God will be my God. That must have come from a personal revelation. And Ruth's life shows a clear conversion to the God of Naomi. A radical breakthrough from all she had known before. She's gone from one kingdom into another. And that's us in Jesus Christ. We've gone from that one kingdom into another. Ruth's background is Moab. And the people in Moab served many gods. But Ruth's faith had changed from the many gods and the many idols into this one true God. And through our faith in Jesus Christ, we turn away from the idols of this world. Having served many gods, our lives are devoted to this one true God. It is the whatever and whenever happenings in our lives. And by faith we surrender... And we start to follow Jesus. It is the whatever and whenever happenings. You know, not so long ago, we baptized in our uh, local church. We tried to baptize people in the, in the river. And um, she was from a Muslim background. And as we baptized her, her family said, no longer our child. It is the whatever things in life. And Ruth's decision was a radical one. She had no guarantees for a future, no way of thinking there might be hope. She wasn't choosing for the the right thing in the sense of her mind, because she didn't know what, what to expect over this next season ahead. And someone said this, faith is not believing without proof, but trusting without reservations. You have no reservations. When you're in, you're totally in. When I got saved, when Jesus saved me, it was without reservations. If I'd known some of the stuff before, I wasn't so sure, I wouldn't be so sure now. It wasn't happy-clappy all the way. It hasn't been. But God is faithful but it's without reservations. And then Omi says, please, please, please don't go. I've got no future with you. You have no future with me. There is nothing there. I go back, I've got nothing. But you see in her life of Ruth that true conversion comes with great determination. And Ruth's attitude of surrendering is to the point, actually, to expect to die. Can you believe that? She has no hope. She is expecting, basically, the worst to happen. She is embracing the good, the bad, and the ugly. How is that possible? Why? Because she's got faith. She uses the word Yahweh for God here. She's ready to give up everything else. And apart from the bitterness and the hardships, she must have seen a deep inner determination in Naomi. Naomi, to us, comes across as a bitter woman, and she has no hope and no future. But somewhere in her there, Naomi's clung on to, clung on to God, and Ruth had seen it. It is when other people see us and see how we cope with the difficult seasons in life, that they see Jesus. How you live your life in difficult circumstances preaches and teaches better the, the gospel than someone on the platform here. And Ruth's response is, I don't want to go back to my gods anymore. I want your God. Or better, she says, I want you, God. And then they go back to Bethlehem. And in verse 22, it says this. They came at the moment of harvest. What a great moment to go back to her, this harvest time. And Ruth is taking initiative to care for her mother-in-law. And she was leaving, it says, to do some gleaning in the field. Now, landowners, they had to leave some of the harvest up to the poor people to glean, to take their money, to take their food and to help them. And, and Ruth, all the way through the book, she is called Ruth the Moabitess. There's no other name for her. She's a stranger. She doesn't belong actually here. And, and Boaz sees that, and his first reaction when he meets her, she's there in the field, and he says, he's warning her. And he says, don't go into any other field. Stay here. Make sure you're surrounded with these other women as well. Don't go out on your own. I told my man, keep your hands off her. She was in danger even during the day. And it says she happened to come to the part belonging to Boaz. Another others said, as it turned out to be. That's about sovereignty and the providence of God in our lives. Those moments you're looking back and see how God has steered your life. God is gracious. God is sovereign, even when he's silent. Do you know that? If you, if you don't hear anything, he's there even if you don't see anything. And many of those so-called everyday meetings in life can turn out to become very crucial. The so-called coincidences, in hindsight, are planned by Almighty God. Not so long ago, I and I were in France in a small church at uh, the coast and uh, the, one of the leaders of the church told us a story of how he found a job. Because he came from another nation, and then he was looking for a job, couldn't find one because he didn't speak the language or whatever. And, uh, so, and then he, he was just in a car driving, and in front of him, this was his road accident. So he tried to be kind, and so he stopped, he couldn't understand a word of what was said, but he tried to help. And the guy was involved in his road accident, turned out to be a guy who could help him, because of a director of a company, could help him to have a job with that company because they needed someone to speak English. Just a road accident. Just something that happened. It just happened. Well, that's how you can look at life and how you can look at things that are happening in your life. It just happened. But in Ruth's case, from all the guys that she could meet and from all the fields she could go into, she happened to go in this one of Boaz, coming across that one guy that actually could help her and give her a future. That one person that she had to marry to in order for the Messiah to be born in this world, did you know that? Can you realize it's, it's God planning that? Hundreds of years before, she's in Matthew together with Boaz. A certain Boaz from Ruth received Obad, their child. She's part of the genealogy of Jesus. Just in that field, just picking up some corn. It happened that. And you might look back over your life and suddenly realize, well, that has been God's hand. that's why I'm here. Or that's why these things happen. And then Ruth is asking a very important question. And she says, why have I found favor in your eyes? Why do you take notice of me? I'm just a stranger. And she was so aware she had no rights, no privileges. It wasn't because of her. Have you wondered that ever in your life? Have you ever gone back and say, why me, Lord Jesus? Why did you save me? You know, I, I'm from a Roman Catholic background. We didn't have a Bible in our home. None of us was saved. None of us ever talked about Jesus. But God saved me as the first one in our family. So many times at the beginning, I thought, why me? Why from all seven of us, me? And then my brother got saved, and my sister got saved. One day in our life is making the difference. One day in your life, for most of us, has made a difference. That one moment that Jesus met your life and met you. For some of you, you're thinking, I need something to happen. It could happen today. Just expect God, who leads your life, to do what He wants to do. And for Naomi and Ruth, suddenly, a hopeless future had hope on the horizon. You know what happens with people that feel like they're victims of something? They don't make plans. And I think that's a terrible thing with depression. You don't look ahead. God wants to lift our heads and do something that only he can do. Don't lose the sense of dreaming and believing for more to come. The book of Ruth is a wonderful portrait of biblical manhood and womanhood. Noble one. It's a love story, I said at the beginning. And the greatness of manhood and womanhood isn't about sex. It's about genuine care and interest and love. It's about the other person and not about you. And after some time, Naomi is making a plan for Ruth. She, needs her, she needed her mother-in-law to really just, come on, girl, let's get, get something going here. And uh, let's try to win Boaz for yourself. And she's getting out the best dress and she puts on the... Pop. I didn't know, I don't know what kind of perfume, but they, she had something on, I'm sure. And, but it says this. Boaz, after having this food, a great meal, he was ready for bed. It sounds like a man, doesn't it? He's ready for bed after food. And as he, he's laying and falling asleep, Ruth uncovers his feet. And then she puts herself towards his feet. He's fast asleep, and suddenly he wakes up. And he's like, well, who's this? What's happening here? And he discovers this woman at his feet. And Ruth, in response, in her response, in her behavior, is making it abundantly clear that she likes the guy. And she's proposing, basically. It wasn't, you know, the, the, the thing that was done in those days, probably not in our days, but in the way she was dressing up, she was really ready there. And she wanted him to be very attracted to her. And then the answer that Bo was, uh, the, uh, on the question of Bo said, why are you here? She says this, cover me with your garment. In other words, marry me. Become my kinsman redeemer. You know, in Leviticus 25, it tells us that the nearest of kin providing a future by making, uh, making sure that they took care of the widow and uh, by redeeming her and making sure that they would have family and they would have a future. And she asked Boaz, but Boaz said, well, actually, I'm not the next in line for you. There's another one. He should be asked first, but let me do that for you. He's closer to you, or closer to Naomi. And so what we read, read at the end of the book, we don't have time for that, is that this guy didn't want to pay the full price because the full price was this Moabites this stranger. And he wasn't prepared to have the stranger in. But Boaz was prepared. And like Boaz, Jesus was prepared He was prepared to take on all these strangers. To pay the full price for our redemption. He was willing. He said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. The Bible says that he died for us, not just because we were strangers. The Bible says we were even enemies of the cross, Jesus was very purposeful in his actions. There is salvation for all of us. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, there is salvation for you too. Jesus was unselfish and he was faithful to the very end. And Paul was then, because this next uh, guy, next in line, Uh, He had to make sure that things were solved uh, on the right way. He went over to meet the guy, but he made sure that the elders were present, the elders of the city were present. Having the elders sit at the gate, and then he asked the question, will you take on Naomi? And it says this to us. Redemption is um, a legal transaction. Boaz satisfied the law And he did it the right way, and he didn't bypass it. What it means for you and me is that the law requires that sin must be punished. And there was no other way for Jesus to save us from our sin than for him to take the punishment that was on us, to bear it on the cross with him. And that completion had to be witnessed, so that's why the elders were there. And when Jesus hung on the cross, it was for witness by many people when he said and declared, it is finished. It's done. I think it's the most wonderful announcement. It is the most freeing announcement that we could ever hear over our lives. It is finished. It's done with. Yes. You don't have to live in sin anymore. You don't live with, with sickness anymore. God wants to heal you, touch you, and change you. No more in depression. No more a life without hope, but a new horizon. Redemption is life transforming. And like it happened to Ruth, it can happen to you and me, if you don't know Jesus yet. She had a new identity. She had a new position. She had a new family. And the story is that Boas is marrying her. There's a wedding. Oh, happy days. And he becomes the bridegroom. And he takes the family debt onto himself. He absorbs the debt. Not just the debt that are paid off. But by marrying her, he's giving her a completely new future. And that is Jesus for you and me the great bridegroom. He is absorbing your death, giving you a completely new life. We have become, the Bible says, his bride. And Ruth had left her father's house. She'd gone to a strange country. She came down to Jerusalem. She, became an, uh, she was an outsider, a suffering servant, someone who suffered, suffered and was despised and rejected. And it's not just Boaz, but also Ruth's life just points us towards Jesus Christ because Jesus emptied himself. He came down. He left everything to become a servant. He was rejected. He was despised. And he became our kinsman redeemer. And can I say to you this? Are you able, when you look back over your life, can you say and see? i am talking to some of you, uh, I, th- I hope most of you are, who know Jesus. Can you see the hand of God on your life, even despite the challenges that it's bringing? Can you see him as the God who's providing you and the God who's sovereign over your life? despite everything that you see. For Naomi and Ruth, hope has come. God's favor was on them and they knew it. It speaks about those who are outsiders, Moabites, foreigners, undeserving. That's us. Having received Jesus through grace, The Bible says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Jesus has become our kinsman redeemer. He fulfilled the law. And he cried out on the cross, it is finished. I believe Jesus is here by his spirit today. If you're here and you think, it just happened for me to be here. It didn't just happen. He's got a plan. Jesus, if you don't know him yet, wants to become your kinsman redeemer, to give you a new identity, to give you a new position, and to give you a future and hope. He has paid a price so that you might walk out of here totally free and become part of a wonderful family of God others of you who do know Jesus can I say this, maybe you're struggling with some real hardships right now don't give up don't give up God has got his eye on you to do you good. It's maybe taken longer as you thought it would. But he's able to give you a new sense of hope. I'd love to invite the worship team back on. And I just want to for us to in a song bring our lives before Jesus. And I I felt three things to for you. If you're if you're touched by what God what God's word is saying, what God is saying to you. I felt you might want to be physically stand up or in your heart stand up. But three things. One is for those of you that don't know Jesus, to basically stand up while we worship I say, Jesus, if you are real, will you show me? Will you show me? Lord if that's true that you can give me a new identity a new hope a new future I'll stand up to this Lord and I want to receive you in this and I'm going to pray after, after we, had a, we sang that song and worshipped God with it I'd like to pray for you as you stand up secondly some of you you know Jesus but you feel like a nomad you've been circling around you're hitting some stuff over and over again and you don't feel there's a breakthrough in this and I felt God saying he wants to break through for you to become a pilgrim and to not face the same things over and over again even if you had it for years God wants to break through for you to get alongside the rest and keep going until you reach the destiny that God got for you and thirdly God wants to take some of us, beyond a life of perseverance, into a life of resilience. That you will know you're bouncing back and you're not staying stretched for the rest. You can stay stretched and it's exhausting. It takes all the energy slapping away. God wants to bring that spring back in your feet and in your heart and in your soul and bring back into resilience. So as we worship, if there's on any of these things, I'd love you to stand up. If God's spoken to you, and at the end, I'm going to shortly pray that God will just by His Spirit touch you where you need Him.